So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 359th consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy that's really going to try his best to bring his A-game to a week that he just doesn't fucking feel like it. And joining me in my misery and also going to do his best to keep it out of the show is my co-host, Matt. I like to think my resting heart rate is slow panic attack. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> Shit is fucked in the United States of God and country and Christianity being a theocratic, fascist state that is slowly unraveling before our eyes that we can do nothing about. I don't even know if it's that slow anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, given what is it's, already it's happening this week, it's, to it right yeah, now. it's accelerating every single decision they can possibly make on the Supreme Court to take away and strip away anyone's rights that is not a white Christian male. They are going for it. So and- you're telling me this is what happens when you put a couple rapists and a woman who belongs to a weird Catholic cult onto the Supreme Court? Is that what you're telling me? Because I'm shocked. Shocked. Well, this is the end game for the Republicans. This is the way for them to get their way without having to do anything to actually get their way. They're just going to keep fucking shit up until nobody can pass laws to make up for all of the things that they're undoing. And I don't think that Clarence Thomas really realizes just how far this court is going to unravel things before it's too late and he becomes a dissenting decision on something that is going to affect him. Because I feel like this court is going to unravel all of that, including, what is it, Loving versus Virginia, that very much affects his relationship, although he justifies affecting everyone else's relationships around them and their privacy. Oh, no, you don't understand. He'll get grandfathered in because uh, he and his wife tried to help overthrow the fucking government. He should be in jail and so should his wife for trying to overthrow the government. I really didn't want to get into this, but we do have to fucking address it because, I mean, at some point in time, they're coming for us. They're definitely coming for me. They're gonna, because I'm a fucking atheist, and they're gonna come for me eventually. They'll find you, yeah. I'm I want to talk about it because it affects a lot of people who I love and care about, mostly. Because, to be 100% honest, none of it directly, as you would say, affects me as a white middle-aged male at all. You know, I'm just, I'm not included in the Republican Party get ya mode. Uh, But a lot of people who I love and care about are, and if I, and really, if you'll... Or someone who, even if it doesn't directly affect you like me, and you're still not shocked and appalled and want to just battle this, then there's that says something about you more than anybody else. Yeah, if you're complacent in this and if you think everything is just going to be fine and we were overreacting in 2016 and we're overreacting now, then you just don't fucking get it. And I'm glad that you can live in your fucking comfortable bubble because they are going to eventually come for something that you like or someone that you love because they don't fit the mold of what it is that they want. And that's exactly what's happening right here. I mean, that's the direction that we're headed. And the Republicans just keep feeding this hate that is present in such a small minority of the country. And then the Democrats do nothing but try to fundraise off it. Like their response is, well, let's just use this to get voted say, in. Let's let's not give any Democrat because you know we're shitting on Republicans. Let's not give any Democrats any credit here. They could have codified Roe v. Wade when Obama was in office. They had control uh, enough control they could have done it, but they never wanted to because it's the boogeyman that would keep people voting for them. So fuck them too. This is basically what happens. We all get hurt, and the representatives keep getting voted into office keep making laws that benefit them and the people that pay them in campaign contributions and we get nothing yeah we get nothing we get shit on we We get get more and more things taken away poor yeah (laughs) so i mean it's happening man i I, i'm gonna be 100 honest i really wish i I, i'm usually a pretty good optimist i always have been in my life 
But I am at that point, I don't know a way out of this that doesn't include a lot of bad things and maybe too many bad things for not just us in this country, but the world to recover from. And I know that sounds bad and it sounds like, oh my God, maybe he is overreacting. But really looking at it, I just don't know. I don't see a way out of this without it including the end of civility as we know it, which would just be the end. Well, the world is slipping further and further towards the way that things end up happening with the end of a pandemic. This is kind of how it goes. Yeah. I mean, look at the end of the Spanish flu pandemic when that went epidemic. What what started shortly after that, Matt? Uh, uh, The Spanish flu? That was World War II? Or one. World War One. One. I'm sorry. Yeah. One. One. Yeah. It was like yeah. it was like around 1918. Yeah, so we yeah, had like yeah. the Great World Depression and then yeah, World sorry. War One. The Great Depression and then World but War One. But here's the thing: we can't survive a World War Three. No one can. It's the whole fucking point. Yeah. So why are you so worried about it? <laughs> I'm more concerned about. I'm seriously like I can't do anything about it, yeah. and uh, I'm at a place where I'm going to get completely obliterated whenever the first bomb hits near it. Yeah. So I'm good. Yeah. Same. I mean, I think they said like every Russian and Chinese sub all have at least one war every sub have at least one warhead for where we are. So I mean we ain't getting out of nothing. Listen, man, I'm just hoping the sirens hit at about three in the morning when I'm dead asleep and can't even wake up for nothing because maybe I'm just hammered drunk and then it just goes away while I'm a you know dead asleep. I'll be fine with that. <laughs> what a wonderful place to start the episode. So let's start talking about the actual movie this week. Yeah, man. <laughs> Which is also hey, a fucking downer. How about this? Let's go on to the happy, happy part of this show. Let's see. What is it today? Checking notes. Jew on the grudge. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is definitely a third in the series because it picks up where the other two have left off. It's continuing stories on from the previous films and watching them all in a row back to back like this is very rewarding and very interesting because I've, I watched them all scattershot. I yeah. jumped around in the series okay. when I first saw them uh, because I just whenever they came on cable, I would watch them. I think that there's like Cinemax or Showtime had them where they would they would cycle through these like late at night like this and some Takashi Miike films. And that's when I worked for the local cable company. So I had those channels and I could watch a ton of this stuff. So that's like 2001, 2002 when this stuff is coming out is when I was like super, super obsessed with Japanese horror in general just because all of this crazy shit was hitting the side of the pond, if you will, in fucking usually dubbed form on late night cable, sometimes with subtitles. Yeah. Uh, like in this case, this film and uh, The Grudge 2 were definitely on cable quite a bit. I don't think I ever got to see The Curse and The Curse 2 on cable. I think those two films were essentially, I got them on DVD or someone had them on DVD or possibly a bootleg. And I watched it with them. Right. <laughs> watched them both. Can I at least just say this real quick? Because now we are talking about the movie. What the fuck Go was the it. music in this? Yeah, it, it I don't know. The whole that, fucking thing. I don't think that's the actual fucking score. I don't score. think so. I, I think you, because yeah. I kept getting this voice going, yo, this is edited by whatever. So I think whoever edited it thought, man, I'm going to add some cool music, like hyper music to it. Because I think it's boring. When actually all they did was they ruined the suspense of the entire oh, dude. movie. Dude, you watch the Hindi dub. Oh, okay. Your your audio was the Hindi dub because there's a there's a Hindi language that's number one. Yeah, and then the second track was in Japanese. Okay, I should have probably watched then the second track. I watched the first one and it it effectively it ruined the movie for me. Oh well, that sucks because it's actually got a lot of tension and the actual sonic buildup of I, the score and everything is amazing. I so could, I'm sorry that happened. I could literally tell. I was like, if it weren't for this fucking, I knew this music wasn't original. I'm like, this had to be for the dub. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm like, I'm like, if it weren't for this music, I bet this would be fucking creepy as hell. But it just wasn't. <laughs> All right, next time, Matt, yeah. double check to see if there's more than one audio track and see what it's listed as. All right. Whenever, whenever you bring up your file, yeah, okay, my that man. Was, that was just sad for me because I was really getting ready to watch. You know, I was really looking forward to this one. And you should go back and watch it with just the Japanese track, just on that. your own. It will scare the shit out of you, right, trust me. All right, I, I think I might so, have to do that. You're going to definitely have to edit out any snark you might have for that uh, music getting ruined on that, because that's kind of your fault for not making sure you had the right audio track. Well, you know, hold on a second. Now, there's no reason to get all like that. Go fuck yourself, man. What are you talking about? My fault. <laughs> You could have checked in with me, and I could have been like, my dude, there's two audio tracks. Check for the Japanese one. Yeah, but I didn't want to ruin it if this is the way it was so I could bitch about it. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that's on you, my dude. All right, all right, all right, fine. Hold on. We got to take a break for an hour while I redo all my notes. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're just going to remove the snark as we go and hope for the best. All right, well, there you go. All right. So this week, once again, I have, I think I found um, three, four bands that are all new. I don't think I've played any of the music from any of these bands this week. And it's all female lineup for all of the bands. And it's, of course, Japanese bands as well. But before you hear the first one, which is Tetora with Hone, we're going to have a little special message from our new owner and proprietor, Kevin, and our Legion Patreon ad. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin. As many of you probably have heard, Bo will be heading back to school to become a teacher. Congratulations, Bo. As such, I'll be taking over the reins, managing, and spreading the good word of Legion Podcast. To kickstart things off, as an added thank you for patrons in June, Legion plans to have Steam Code giveaways for current Patreon backers. A random person will be picked from the Patreon every other week or twice per month, and the winners can choose from the available Steam Codes. Thank you so much for supporting Legion Podcast. You can reach me on Twitter or the Legion Discord group. My username is at LonelyBob. See you around. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com, or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now... Back to the cutting room.
Tora with Pone, and I'm probably not pronouncing either of those two things correctly, but I'm trying my best. Cut me some slack. No, no, you never <laughs> cut anybody you need slack. <laughs> this is precisely why I left Twitter, my dude, is to get some slack. <laughs> I was so tired of film Twitter adding me all the time about stuff. Right, Jesus Christ. And ratioing me down. (laughs) Let me just do my shitty reviews on my shitty fucking podcast and just let me have this. Damn, it's the only thing we have. (laughs) And soon that's going to be taken away from me, too. Probably. I mean, Jesus Christ, they'll probably crack down and censor us. (laughs) I doubt we're going to be that high on the list. But just in case, we should probably do the I never said it was going to be soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take them a while before they get to Cinema It's going to take a long-ass while before they get to us. Let's do the review. All right. Juwan the Grudge. So uh, we start, it's once again, goes uh, into different story parts, uh, just like the first two movies. So that's how we're doing the review. And we start with Rika. Uh, So we see some scenes of the, you know, like cut scenes of what the dad did to his family to cause this whole entire mess. We cut to a social welfare center. We know that because the movie tells us that's where we are. So thank you, movie. Uh, A young woman named Rika comes in, and she is sent by her boss to go check on a older lady, even though she's just a volunteer and kind of new to everything. So she gets to the house, and we see it is definitely the murder house. And you could tell she senses something already. The house emanates bad vibes. Uh, well, she gets into the house, and it's just trashed. And, uh, then she finds an old woman living in this filth, and she cleans her up a bit, but the woman doesn't talk at all, not really. And she kind of just stares off into space. Uh, then she starts cleaning the apartment a bit, and she finds a photo of a family with the mom's face cut out. Uh, a husband, wife, son, with the wife's face cut out. Uh, then she goes upstairs to clean, and she feels the need to check a room. Like, you could tell she was drawn to this one room. Uh, as she looks through it, she hears a cat. And, uh, she opens this closet door and finds a cat and a young boy. Uh, she tries to run downstairs to talk to the older lady, and she just stares off into space. Uh... So then uh, she finds the family picture, and she sees that it's the same boy from that family picture. She calls her boss, who really doesn't know what to do, and from the sounds of it, doesn't exactly care. I don't actually know. This dub version only has her side of the conversation and does not give me his side. Oh, um... But from I gathered it from her side. They just didn't really know what to do and told her just to take it easy. Yeah, I don't really remember being able to hear his side of it at all anyway, because we're inside the fucking house and it's obvious that that is Toshio. He even says his name is Toshio, which we we should all dread. Uh, It's kind of nice to see that the cat can roam around and not, you know, really be such a horrible thing, although it still haunts folks, too, as we'll see later on. And uh, the general disarray of the house mimics the very first movie whenever Toshio is found. Yeah. But now it is what may or may not be the ghost of an old woman who is being slowly tormented, but never actually taken because we see that she's got that madness. And she kind of reminds me of the mom from the second movie who we saw dying of laughter. Kind of. Yeah. Um, And also now this could just be the house is almost always trash now. So maybe that's just the house's preset. 
It's a possibility, or it just might be that part of the working on the people that are living there is to cause this to happen, where they just stop picking up. Yeah. And it just becomes like this, because as we see, the house in the previous movies, and also definitely in this one, has that effect on people where you just basically assume the roles of the horrible thing that happened in it. Exactly. She then hears a voicemail from somebody asking like hey how's mom settling in all that so it's obviously a sibling of an adult who lived there then she sees the boy again and that's when he tells her his name is toshio we already kind of knew that but he tells her so now we're like oh well this lady's fucked the old lady then she goes to check on the old lady who just keeps saying that i told her so she says quote i told her over and over stop tormenting me i told her uh, yeah, I told her what you told me to say. Yeah. I did what you told me to do. Please stop tormenting me. Rika, She's begging. She's essentially just begging. Rika then sees a shadow woman, and we all know that's Keiko. Uh, that's her ghost. And the shadow falls over, killing the old woman. Uh, and then Rika looks into the ghost's eyes, and she passes out as the boy watches. That's the end of the Rika story. All right. We well, need to talk about this. this part of it. Yeah, we need to talk about this sort of black entity that just sort of comes in and sucks all the light out of the room. Yeah, Mem- she's remember when shadows I s- now. Yeah, but I think, remember when I was talking about how the way that this house is affecting like the, the negativity and just the horror that happens in the house and the murder that took place that caused this emanation is such a violent uh, end and such a horrific end that it creates this negative balance that can never be redressed. Yeah. You know, where it becomes almost like this black hole that sucks other souls into it with the depression and the anger and the rage and the obsession and all the stuff involved in this in all of these deaths. Well, Kayoko's ghost in this is essentially just this negative space that we see seeping into the light and basically sucking the light out of it because it's just solid black. And it's not just black. It looks like they cut out or animated those sections of the film to have no light at all. It feels like that. Yeah. Except for where the whites of her eyes are when she's looking, and then it's clearly that it's her faces just painted to make it part of this solid black thing. But when we see this entity later on, it's very much like that, where it's like this black hole in the middle of a video that it appears in, or where the, when there's a light around that you actually see this this spirit or this emanation. And it's sort of like a spirit photography that you end up seeing in some of these uh, instances where this spirit shows up. But it's just another way of utilizing, like instead of the black hair creeping out and coming for people now it's like this negative spirit that has the flowing hair as well but it, it flows almost like this serpent where it's coming in and it's literally the the effect of the house in a concentrated form just coming to take somebody yeah <laughs> well we all know the house is a cursed house <laughs> right well and that's the interesting thing about this too is the curse is not just Kayoko getting revenge the curse is literally the horrible things that happened are so everything that happened here is just so fucking horrific and, and everything is just so terrible and so against the natural order of how any kind of response for jealousy or any of those emotional rages should happen that it has tainted this house to the point that any human being that enters it is going to repeat that saga or they're going to become part of the roles of that as it's as it continues to play out and basically, depending upon how much it affects you, is where you're at in the cycle of all of this repeating. Yeah. 
No, you're like if if you live there, if you move in before the cycle starts up anew, and it's just basically like as it starts to go, where things escalate to that level of violence, you got a little time. But if you're say investigating the disappearance of the folks that are in the house because they disappeared once they bought the house, it's already in that deep part of the cycle where you're fucked. If you even just step foot in for a little bit, you could be fucking taken. It did you just never know? Yeah. And poor Reka, when she shows up, I'd say she's about like three quarters of the way there because not every. Everybody has disappeared in the house just yet. There's just one person left. And we're like basically right at the start where the teacher comes in and starts talking to Toshio. Because we have no fucking clue if that old woman is even dead yet or not. She could be a ghost that they're just using against her to draw her in. Just like Toshio was like appeared like a normal little boy as a ghost, but was super beaten. She looks like a woman who was clearly neglected. We didn't even talk about the number of like soiled bed linens that were hanging out to dry and weren't even really rinsed that were stuck on the outside there where it looks kind of like the old woman would have an accident and just hang them there herself and do her best to clean up even though no one's there to take care of her and it's been going on for quite a while that's true um i think that she was alive but i think that was definitely right there her death it was almost like okay she finally brought someone new into the house that i can infect so now she can die it's almost like it's like we always talked about this curse is much like a disease. It needs another host. So until it can get that, whoever the last host is, it's going to keep it alive. I could see where they would try and bring them in, but it might have just been that that old woman was doomed and this was the time. It could be. You know, and it just it just so happened that Rika was assigned to go in and help because that was just the scheduling that we see done because this is out of time once again. We do see where they call for help because they think that maybe the grandmother slash mother or whoever that is in this house now is not able to take care of herself and maybe worse off than what they thought mm-hmm. because she's being affected by the house. So, like, we do see why Rika gets called in, but I mean, either way, she she stepped in the house she's done and she's just far enough along in the cycle that she's done you know and she ran into toshio she ran into the cat she's trying to help this old lady and then she 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 gets to see her die in front of her but for some reason she's not taken just yet and that's the next segment basically is right after this yeah so uh the next segment it's called katsua so we're back in the murder house it's trashed again it's nighttime And in bed are a couple. And the wife wakes up and sees like there's lights on out in the hallway. But she just goes back to sleep. The next morning, the husband is cleaning up. As After he wakes up, he's picking up trash. And his name is Katsua. And his wife, Kazumi, she's making breakfast. He looks through one of the doors and see his mother sleeping. The mother we now know is the older lady. When the lights were on, there were actually a couple of feet standing in their doorway in the hallway, but then just walked away. Oh, wow. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's real subtle. And uh, I just happened to just notice it because when I was watching the film a little more intently in that part. Uh Uh, And then when the person walks away, you do hear some rappers falling and things like that. I think what they're hinting at is that the grandmother or mother in the house, the elderly woman, maybe has some kind of dementia or Alzheimer's and is a sundowner, where at night she just roams around and does strange things and doesn't even recall why. Yeah, but I don't think they they know that yet because... Of what I'm about right, to that's, but it could also very much be that the house is already having the effect and that was one of the ghosts from the house, one of the spirits walking around. It could be. In the house that they were, and they're the ones that are actually trashing it, but they're blaming the old woman who is terrified and won't say anything because she can see everything that's, that's happening because she's already close enough to death to see ghosts, I'm guessing. Possibly. Um, 
<laughs> just wanted to interject that they talk they kind of hint at this and um that that sort of family neglect theme is still here it's just that it's focused on the grandma on this one yeah well he comments on how much mom sleeps more now and his wife says that she stays up all night and so i mean it makes sense that she sleeps during the day well anyway later the husband's leaving for work and his wife reminds him that his sister is coming over uh for dinner uh later on uh the wife uh hears a commotion and we see that the mom had set up spilling things. Well, as she goes to help her out, she hears a noise and decides to go check it out. Not just any noise, it's Kayoko's noise. Okay, see, and with this music, I couldn't hear it. Right, So that's I, what it I is, have so. to make assumptions, because I always see yeah. people's heads turns, so I realize they're making, they're, they hear a noise. Okay, all the noises in this are essentially Kayoko's noises. Okay, I figured that or a cat. I, I knew it was going to yeah. be one of those two things. Usually the boy's on screen when you hear the cat yeah. because the boy has to be there for the cat to be the most effective. Otherwise, you can just assume it's Keiko's noises and you definitely need to watch it again then, man, because it will terrify yeah, you. Yeah, I'm fucking almost like positive that it would. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one so far is the best made out of all of them. Really? You definitely got cheated. Then I got cheated. Track. Yeah, I'm pretty mad about yeah. this. I'm, I'm a little salty yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always double check that you're on the right audio track. I guess. Man. Fuck me. All right. So she walks into the hallway to investigate, and we see from the stairs, we see Toshia's head peeks out and then goes back. She heads over to the stairs, and she sees a black cat on the stairs. As she walks towards the cat, it gets pulled away. So she runs upstairs, and as she gets to just about the top of the stairs, she sees feet running into a room. She walks in, and the cat hisses at her, and she screams. Then we cut to uh, the husband returning home, and it's dark, the house is, no lights are on, and it is trashed again. He sees his mom is sitting up, he goes to check on her, and then he goes upstairs to find his wife, and he finds her on the bed in a state of shock. He goes to call an ambulance, and as he's doing that, we see Toshio walk behind him. He senses something is wrong, and he checks the closets. And then he looks behind him, and Toshio, or well, behind him, he doesn't look, I'm sorry. While he's checking the closets, behind him, Toshio is standing right next to the bedside by his wife. He then turns around, and no one's there. Then he looks around, and then Toshio pops up, makes cat noises. Right when that happens, his wife dies. He then sits down, he's kind of panicking, and then something almost like evil washes over him. I'm assuming it's the father's spirit taking into him, and he gets this kind of evil look on his face. Then we cut to the sister comes over and checks on the mom. Uh, after she does that, she unloads some groceries she bought over for dinner. She even talks about how she came to cook for everyone because, you know, their mom's staying with them now and she wants to give them a little bit of a break and say hi to everybody. They just came back, yeah. I guess, to be able to take care of mom or something like that. There's a whole bunch of family drama going on in this dialogue that you really don't need to pay attention to because you're like, get out of the house, lady. Yeah, a whole lot of drama for your mama right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, the whole time you're just screaming, get out yeah, of the house get before the fuck you, out of there. it's too late. Get out before it's too late. Well, we see as she's doing this, because it kind of cuts, she, you see her in the kitchen. Upstairs, we see the husband carrying the wife's body into another room. The sister hears something, and she goes up the stairs, and she like can feel like a headache. Something's bothering her. Uh, she then goes up, and she finds her brother sitting there. 
Uh, he gets up and starts pushing her out, saying he starts with like something normal. He starts with saying like, "Oh, she went out. Uh, she's out. She's doing something. So tonight's not a good night. My wife's out." And then he starts talking about his wife was uh, ha- having another man, and that his ch- the child is not mine. Is what he kept saying. The child is not mine. And then he pushes her out. He closes the door, and we can see. This evilness, he, a spirit, once again, kind of really grabs hold of him. He goes upstairs. He goes into the room where he took his wife's body. And in the window, we see a spirit face there. And that's the end of that particular story. All right. We get to see how it's slowly affecting the family. And this is the stuff I was talking about earlier, where um, the husband gets taken over by his role, which is the father in the first movie. There really isn't a Toshio to be kind of roaming around. So it's kind of the grandmother. Yeah. That, that sort of gets that role where she's just sort of tormented and lasts the longest out of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Right, pretty much. And, and the wife is pretty much already just pushed over before the husband can even do anything about it. And there's moments where, like, not only just Toshio, but, like, also there's some couple scenes where you can see Keiko standing at, like, her head and staring at her and shit, yeah, too, right? sometimes. And, and it's really well done. And, again, I wish you could have heard the sound design because, like, every time somebody's head turns, like, really quickly or anything like that, the sound is on them. It moves around. Like, if you're in headphones, it moves around your head. Oh, that like, sucks. Yeah, and you can kind of hear it moving around. And the sound design in this, like I said, when they got more money, is really fucking good. Yeah, I'm going to have to and rewatch so, this motherfucker. Yeah, you'll definitely, because I promise you, you will enjoy it so much more. You can still tell how good it was going to be. Yeah, you know, that's why I'm like, yeah, I knew it wasn't the movie who did this. I knew it was the dub. You know, so it it's almost like, makes even for, in my notes where I'm salty about the music, I'm not salty about the movie. I was salty about the dub. Yeah. And what's really interesting about this is we always have a better episode turn out whenever somebody gets cheated in some way, shape, or form, and it's the true. other one has to cover. Like like the file that I ripped for you didn't have all of the nudity that I watched because I, I had an X-rated version that was apparently on the DVD, but I gave you the Blu-ray to watch or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're a real gonna... jerk for that one, too. Hey, I didn't know, so it wasn't like it was fucking intentional. Because believe me, I want you to be able to review the filthiest version of everything, because that's how this show works. Right? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, the sound design in this, especially at the part where the wife is being tormented, because he'll go look in a closet because he'll hear a noise over there. Like, he'll hear Keiko making the noise, and when he goes into the closet and turns around, you see over his shoulder Keiko standing at his wife's head, and then the boy standing at her feet or sitting on the bed with her while she's staring at her over her head, or something along those lines will end up happening. And then he turns around and nothing's there, but, like, we can still see them. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, like, he's not aware of them or whatever it is. And then, you know, Toshio will make his noise, and then you'll kind of hear him or see him or something like that. And I love the sequences where the guy's walking around the house and you see Toshio walk behind him just real quick, you know, just in the the very back of the frame and just that kind of happens. And then all of a sudden he's standing there (laughs) or sitting on the bed with the kid or with with the woman. And there's moments like that too, where if you're paying attention where someone else is in the house, you can see the fucking kid just sitting there holding perfectly still somewhere in the background. Yeah, he's always in the background. That's always so creepy. Yeah, and they do a really good job and that little kid is so good at fucking just holding still because when he does finally move and you're like holy shit he was there the whole time and that's what makes him super creepy and so it's at this point in this sequence where we're watching the film and they right at the fact that they go to cut right there for the next story I paused the film and I kind of noticed that I've been looking around because I had to watch this in my basement on my computer because I had some issues with my Plex server it crashed and I couldn't get it fixed in time Mm -hmm. 
And so I'm watching it just on my my Mac downstairs, and I notice I'm looking through the fucking doorway, and I'm seeing stuff, and like out of the corner of my eye, and I have a Michael Myers mask sitting up near where I'm at, and I keep looking over at that because it's just this field of white face in my in my peripheral vision. <laughs> And dude, I'm just having such a good time with these headphones on, just getting scared shitless by this fucking movie. And I feel so bad for you that you got cheated out. Yeah, of I know. I'm fucking mad about it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the sound design is what really fucking sells it. Yeah, in this one, I, I, I particularly. mean, it was in all the pre- two previous movies. I'm going to have to double check the file that you have to make sure that I tell you whether or not there's more than one track this time. Yeah, I yeah. should have told you this time. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the next segment if you want. All right. Sorry about that. All right. Hitomi is the next story. We see now that sister, that's her name, Hitomi, uh, we see her making a call at work, leaving the same message that Rika heard. As she leaves work, she senses she's not alone. She rushes into a bathroom in, in the stall, and she sees someone moving about outside. She then gets a call from her brother, and she answers it, but no one responds to her when she talks. She leaves the stall, and a little stuffed bear is shot out of, like, one of the stalls. And then a mass of black hair comes out, and she runs. Creepy AF. All great sound design you missed again, by the way. Of course. Can you maybe stop bringing that up? (laughs) No, because it's more fun for me. I fucking, I I understand that, but Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she uh, runs to the security guard, and the guard says s- he's going to go check it out, and she watches from a monitor. Well, he gets to that bathroom video, and it freezes, but then all of a sudden we see this black mass almost, like, pull him in, but not, like, pull violently. It just, like, pulls, and it he It coaxes him in. in. Yeah. It, gen- it gently lulls him in, making him think that everything is okay. Yeah. She freaks out and runs away. She gets to an elevator. And as she rides, uh, it goes past every floor. We see Toshio's on every level. He gets just a little bit closer to the window every time, too, for each floor. It's fucking creepy. Yeah. Well, she gets... Oh, and the sound design in that is so fucking cool. Really, motherfucker? It's an elevator ride. It can't be that fucking cool. All right, don't lie to me. As as it goes past each level and it gets just a little bit higher up and, like, he gets a little bit closer, the various sounds of, like, Kayoko coming get a little bit closer, too, at the same time. And then, like, the elevator's malfunctioning and making weird noises just like everything else around the woman and, like, that TV monitor did whenever she saw it, you know, usher him in. Just that, uh, the whole sequence, the, the sound design of this is so fucking yeah, incredible. I'm really starting to, yeah, okay. All right, I get it. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I know you got cheated, but I just have to twist the knife. I've been cheated! Now I'm going to start my own grudge. (laughs) The rage you feel right now in your basement. From here on out, people are going to be really upset about poor sound design in the grudge, too, and not do on the grudge and not understand why. Yeah, they're going to be like, I never even saw the grudge. (laughs) Especially the Japanese version. Why am I so angry about this? Just mad as hell. Uh, Hawking shit. All right. So she gets home. Throws her purse down and realizes that little small bear that was shot out, that was attached to her purse. And now it's gone. And how did it shoot out like that? One way her brother calls, and it's actually him. He talks to her. He goes, hey, I'm outside your place. What's your unit number? And she gives it to him. And she's excited. She hears the door ring. And she checks the the the, the spot hole there. And, the, the, and she sees her brother. And she's like, oh, thank God. She opens it. But bro's not there. 
And then the echo noise, this time I can hear it, comes from the phone she's holding. So she throws it to the ground, runs inside, gets into her room, hides under the covers, and turns on the TV. Well, the person on the TV, as they talk, they start getting all distorted and until the TV just turns off. Oh, and the TV starts uh, like making that Keiko oh, noise, okay. like like it's it's as it's skipping, and you see the frame rate skipping. It's doing the, uh, 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 uh. like just you know on each skip, you get like one little noise, and then as it becomes more and more steady, then you start hearing it moving around the room. And this is so fucking creepy because when she goes to like hide under the blanket yep. and she's trying to like ignore it, like it's all over the place, and you can hear it, and it's so fucking creepy. At that point, her blanket starts puffing up. She feels like she gets tugged. She looks under. We see Keiko. She screams. There's the end of that story. Not only does she, she scream, but Keiko drags. Yeah. yeah. And then the covers go completely flat. Like yeah. they both just disappear from out from under the bed. It's amazing. <gasps> yeah. And of course, the sound design where her scream gets muffled and Keiko's noise goes away instantly when the blanket falls at the same time. Like it just goes to like dead quiet. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I'm not talking to you anymore. You're fucked, <laughs> you know, end of the show. This is how the show ends. Everyone wondered. <laughs> this is it. This is how the show fucking ends. <laughs> this is for the audience the joy that they got when they actually heard the actual thing that they were supposed to hear it's not in any way shape or form trying to make it more painful for you yes it is and fuck them too because <laughs> they're enjoying this i know it <laughs> <laughs> they're laughing at your pain <laughs> and they're not laughing with me either i know that for a fact as well <laughs> In all seriousness, though, uh, this sequence is the one that I think captured the minds of everyone, because this is the film that also became the American remake. It's pretty much a shot for shot remake with just anglicized folks. Oh, okay. So it's a whitewash. But here's the interesting thing. They bring the actual writer and director over to make it himself. Well, and, and they shoot it. They still shoot it in Japan anyway. Yeah, it, and a lot of it takes place even in the same house. It's just literally let's whitewash let's some of the characters. Bring white people in there. Yeah, because that's apparently the only thing that American audiences can get behind. Yeah, I mean, obviously, have you never met America? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> Not exactly what America's a bunch of cunts. It really, it really is. <laughs> I just want to kind of get, get into this a little bit um, more to it at this point. Um, so the actress who plays Keiko in all of the Japanese movies that we're going to be seeing so far, it goes up to Grudge 2 um, in the Japanese version. And then the American versions, Grudge and Grudge 2, also Keiko and the little boy who plays Tiosho, Toshio are in all of them. So they had a really long run of playing these same characters. I guess, yeah. Yeah, and you'll probably notice, too, that the way that Keiko's moving in this film, even just whenever she's, like, just crawling around here and there, or when you see her coming up for folks, or just when she's just standing there, her body language has greatly improved. Um, Even more so, she feels even more broken in the way that she moves her head around and all of that stuff. And they're also capturing it with a better medium. They're able to mess with the frame rate and make it feel even more um supernatural and gross. But I just wanted to point out that this woman sacrifices her body to do this. Like every time she crawls down the stairs, she's injuring herself in some way, shape or form. 
because she's just flopping her body around on the staircase to simulate what it's like to have this broken body trying to move. Yeah. And she's she's sacrificing her health and well-being to creep the fuck out of all of us. And it works so well that I just have to applaud her right now, right here for this, because we're three movies in. She only gets scarier every single time I see her. And the way she moves is so wrong and so horrifying and just so draws so much sympathy for you from the same time because especially whenever they actually do the final reveal of her and it's not just a ghost that comes to collect people but it's like the her her like the actual spirit of her that's forced to relive this the look of anguish on her face as she's moving and sadness in her eyes and just as she's doing this breaks your fucking heart and terrifies you all at once and just everything that is this grudge everything that makes this haunting what it is is just played out on that actress when she's coming down the stairs bloodied you know and we just we got to talk about that because every single time you see her you're terrified of her and you feel horrible for her and you want to just make it better in some way shape or form you want to offer some kind of peace and by the time you realize there is no hope for that there's nothing that you can do and the time that you took feeling empathy for her was just more time that you're damning yourself to her fate good times yeah, it's just such a horrific thought to 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 actually realize that that that's what's probably going through your mind as you watch her descend the staircase. You know, like that kind of thing. Because you do, you feel terrible for her. Yeah, she looks like she's in so much fucking pain every single time she does it. Particularly in this movie when we get to that sequence. But I just gotta give it to this actress because they have to hinge so much of the terror on her, and then just the little boy sitting there. Yeah, and somehow they do it, which is probably through the amazing sound design. It was mother. Fucking goddammit. That last one was for you. I'm good. Are you good? Good. Yeah, I'm good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good on doing this review. <laughs> You're doing an amazing job, even though you had upbeat music in place of the actual scary stuff that should have been there. Bastards. Fuck. Toyama. That's the next fucking story. Toyama. Rika's boss is going to head to heads to the murder house. He finds the dead old lady and Rika in a shocked state. He gets the cops to come down to the house. The cops are investigating, and they call the husband's cell phone number, and they can hear the phone upstairs. Two detectives, they go up, and they hear that it's coming from the attic. As they check out the attic, they find the husband and wife's dead bodies with his phone. We cut to Rika, who's in the hospital, and her friend is visiting, asking, like, what what happened? Do you remember? Rika's even kind of like, I don't really know what happened, and... She, she kind of almost has a memory loss. After she leaves, a detective visits and says that they did not find the child, Toshio, that she had seen. Then the detective tells her that the couple actually had no kids, so they don't know what child that could have been. Uh, and the, the picture that she had found was not of that couple. And they are looking into what could have happened there. Later on, uh, the cops discover that after investigating that any family... That has lived in that house, even before before this couple, they are all dead or missing. Uh, they also discuss how this man's sister is missing, and they found a dead security guard at her office. They then go over uh, the case, uh, uh, and they discover the case of Kaiko. And, the you know, the husband killing her, her son, uh, the cat. And he starts reading into it more, and seeing that the son's name was Toshio. Then we cut to a man named Toyama. He's hanging out with his daughter. And one of the detectives comes up to him. Uh, apparently, Toyama was in charge of that case, the Kayako case. When the detective says that, he sends Toyama sends his uh, daughter home, and he tells the detective that he quit the force and to leave him alone. 
The detective tells him that more people have died in that home, and he's the only investigator left from that case, which means he's the only one left alive. Uh, all this time, the daughter's listening from her balcony. Do you remember that guy from movie two? Because I'm pretty sure he was one of the two detectives that got sworn away. He was the younger one of the two, but just aged up, right? I'm not sure. I, I think that's who he's supposed honest, to be. I'm not sure. Because his old partner that was trying to warn him off of it got taken by Keiko in the last film. And I'm pretty sure that the guy that's retired with the wife and the kid is supposed to be the young guy who was told to just stop looking. Maybe. That, I mean, it could be. I, again, I, I just don't know. Yeah. Again, I might be reading too much into it. Yeah. And I, that was just kind of the assumption that I made from the last film, film you know? Yeah. Because a lot of this, I feel like this the 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 grudge part of this the only thing that's the same from the previous two movies is the story of Kayako and what happened to her. I don't think anything like the teacher or anything else actually happened. No, no, that all still happened. All this still is happened? just the next group. Next this group. is the next okay. group of family. Yeah. See, yeah. Because they talk about, no, these are the folks that bought the house after the real estate agent died. His sister died. Their family died. And the uh, family that was in it just completely disappeared because they talk about how the previous family disappeared in this detective when the when they go to this detective. And the stuff that he's telling them about is he investigated when the other family disappeared. And then it goes all the way back to the original sake case with him. Okay. You know what I mean? And like he was talked to by other people whenever the that other family disappeared. So they do mention it. It's in the dialogue you just have to like really pay attention um to certain parts and like really be looking for it get what i'm saying so it's not necessarily that it's new it's a continuation and all the other stuff that happened including the girls that were chit-chatting at the end of movie two is in this film or they continue on from there so all of this stuff is the next family that moved in from the movie uh, from the family that died in movie two i got all right so then we cut to the other detective questioning rika Confirms the boy in the picture is, uh, she confirms the boy in the picture is the boy she saw. Detective tells her he went missing five years ago. Then we cut to a janitor. He's kind of washing up, but he looks underneath the sink and we see Rika's boss's dead body. Uh, and all all crunched up. Yeah, well, really fucking like creepy. He was supposed to look crunched up, actually, because I, I thought he was folded in half. He's not. He's actually in the fetal position. He's hiding. That's how he died, That's, yeah. hiding in a fetal position, the terrified. Fetal position, yeah, underneath that sink. Yeah, I thought he was crunched up. Yeah. He looked crunched up I to me. I thought so, too, and I actually rewinded it because I wanted to see it again because I thought, wow, that's cool. Yeah. He got folded in half. No, you can see his knees are up to his stomach. He Like, like he crawled underneath there to hide. And he has That's that even more terrifying, yeah. though. Yeah, it's even more hiding. terrifying because he's curled in a fetal position, probably trying to hide. Yeah. Not just because it's under the sink, but in a fetal position because that's what makes you feel the most safe when you're terrified. And that's how he dies. And that's how he's found. That's fucking horrifying. So much better than just being folded in half. Yeah, right. Jesus Christ. As far as a creep factor goes, right? Because uh -huh. you have to live with that thought of how did he die when you find him looking like that, you know? Yeah. Just fucking horrendous. Uh uh, Rika, as Rika leaves the station, uh, Tayoma arrives. Uh, he comes into the office, talks to the two detectives. They talk about the sister and the guard body who they found. Uh, then another cop comes in and tells them how they found Rika's boss's body. And those two detectives leave. Tayoma's left and he watches the video of the guard being guided to the bathroom. Then he sees Kayoko's shadow thing come out. Start walking down the hallway, walk away from the camera, and he's like, okay. 
And then all of a sudden she pops up right in front of the camera. It's just black until the eyes open. And then she sees the eyes appear. And he tries to look away. And he keeps looking. Keeps trying to turn it off. But her eyes are just there. Later on that night. There's the noises there too, by the way. The Kyoko noise is happening yeah. oh, in the okay. monitor again. Yeah. Uh, that night, Rika sees Toshio at her bed. And then looks up and Kayako is leaning over above her. Cut to Tayoma. He goes to the murder house and he's going to burn that motherfucker to the ground. He's spreading gasoline. But as he does it, here's a group of girls from upstairs. He opens up to the main hallway and all of a sudden it's daytime. And we can hear the girls talking about drinking sake, but the sake doesn't taste like sake. Tells you something. One of the girls is scared and she runs out. He and her make eye contact. And then she almost looks even more spooked by seeing him. And she runs out. There's a reason why she's more spooked yes, when she sees him. Yes, but we're going to get to that. Don't yeah, ruin we'll it for there. everybody. I'm not. All right. Um, I'm just setting it up for whenever we get there. <laughs> okay. After she runs out, he can still hear a bunch of girls upstairs. So then the, we see the two detectives are out looking for him. Cut to the three girls are upstairs. Uh, one girl, she senses something. She goes to check out that attic area. The other girls follow her. And then all of a sudden, outside the room, we hear them screaming. Uh, Teoma then sees, uh, when he goes to check it out, sees Kaeko crawling out of the room. He falls down the stairs. He starts to crawl into the door, but then the two detectives get there and they're kind of tackling him. And just at time, we see her start crawling down the stairs. He gets up and runs out, but the other two detectives are too scared to move. She advances on them. That's the end of that story. This is the sequence I was talking about where she's covered in blood and when yeah. she crawls down the oh stairs. Oh my God, it's horrific. Yeah, they do an even more longer dramatic version of this. This is like just a quick kill where she just gets the most of, uh, you know, bang for her buck. Yeah. Like later on is when they do the really mournful, terrible, like, like movement that makes you feel even more empathetic for her. And this one is just terrifying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely horrifying. But she still is moving in such a way where you, you don't necessarily get time to garner sympathy because it takes, sorry. it's not quite as long and she's not covered in as much blood as she is. It just, it just doesn't take quite as long and she's not covered in as much blood this yeah. uh, next time around. That's or, true, or this yep. time around, it's the next time around. And it's, it, I don't know if you've noticed, but like as the curse is gaining power and more and more people are showing up, or just depending upon where we're at in the timeline, she's either more or less bloody. I think if you watch it linear, like linearly, the more blood that ends up showing up, it's because it's gone on for more time. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly, or, you know, maybe it's just uh, the various stages of her death because he mutilates her body after death, they show in this one. Like she's already dead, like he strangled her or beat her to death or whatever whatever it is that he did, but he also carves her up because he goes for a razor blade. They show that. Yeah, that's true. Um, and they, they hint at it in the previous film, but in this one, they just flat out show him like pushing the razor out and then her body's, you know, mutilated later. So what we're seeing at the end of this film is the mutilated version of her corpse coming for people basically yeah. after it's already been destroyed and broken that we've seen earlier. Oof. <laughs> yeah, and the progression in this film, as she becomes more bloody, they actually do show that as well. And it just gets more gruesome and more horrific as we go. Uh, but this one, where the two cops get taken at the same time, and then one just gets out just barely in the nick of time, really kind of an interesting set of deaths. Right, yeah, the two, co two detectives are going to get murdered while the older guy, he gets out. 
<laughs> which made no real sense. But if you just let the film do what it is that it's going to do, you realize that nobody really gets away because we've seen that now. This is the third film or even people that we thought may have survived the second film. They have a, something coming to them as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Something's coming to everybody in this movie. Yeah, and the family lines of tragic death really get driven home quite a bit in this movie, too. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The next story is Izumi. Izumi is walking with two of her friends. We see Izumi's one of the girl who ran out of the house. She stops and look at a, uh, a missing person poster for her three girls who she was with in that house. At school later... The pictures of all the classes are kind of up on the wall, and Izumi sees that none of her are up there, or of her friends who are missing, and kind of depresses her. Later on, she gets home, and we hear a radio report that the body of a person named Rika was found. Then we also see in the house a photo of Toyama in the house. So, I mean, let's just go ahead and we'll put it to bed right now. Toyama is the last name. Not the man's first name. It was his last name. It's her last name. And that is her father. So, in a sense, and we see the picture of Toama is of how he looked. In a sense, when they saw each other, it, because last time we saw him look like that, she was a little girl. They saw each other out of time in that house. Or, essentially, because they're both spirits that are now trapped forever in the same grudge, they came across each other at different periods where they're repeating the cycle of their last day from the grudge. That could also be as well. Yeah. But somehow they ran into one another in time or in the spirit world at different moments. Yeah. Basically, whatever this film is setting up, it's that the rules of physics and the laws of science and nature do not apply in this cursed house because it is a vacuum of all happiness and joy. It's completely bereft of anything but misery and suffering and agony and obsession. And so, therefore, nothing else matters, including time. That is true. <laughs> and horrifying. And horrifying. So, uh, she then goes to her room, closes all the blinds, and she looks very scared. The next day, we see uh, uh, a teacher walking out with some pictures, and the girls grab him, and they're like, are those the other class pictures with uh, uh, Zumi in them? He goes, yeah. And she goes, they grab him from her, and they take, uh, she's, they're going to take them to her because they're on their way to her house. Well, the girls get there, and when the mom opens the door, she looks bad, Um and the girls go in, uh, and they go to Izumi's room, and she is very sullen and nervous and scared. She has covered all the windows with newspaper. Izumi says the three are looking at her, uh, uh, her old friends. She keeps saying that they're looking at her. Uh, then she tells the other two girls the whole story, how they all went to the house, how she ran out while the rest of them stayed. Uh... And then after she tells him what happened, she has a paper clips moment where she freaks out, feels like there was too much light coming in through the windows, wants to close everything. Well, the girls leave, and as they're leaving, the mom stops them and says this is exactly what her father did right before he died, was covering the windows, hiding, nervous. And they were like, did you tell her about that? She's like, I never spoke of that ever again. It never to her. Well, later on, um, as the girls, uh, when the two girls are walking, they decide to check out the pictures. And as they see it, all the girls who went to that house, all their eyes were blacked out. Uh, they freak out and they throw the pictures down and run. Later on, Azumi, she checks her room and sees, uh, uh, she checks a, a room in the house and sees her dad sitting there. 
And it's we can tell it's Toyama's spirit. Uh, he saw her in the future. She saw him in the past or just in the spirit realm. He's very mumbly. He's not really doing anything. Just kind of stabbling around. And then all of a sudden she wakes up and she's in bed. Uh, all of a sudden, then between the spaces of newspaper on the windows, we see her friends, three dead friends' faces. They then, Looking very much like Kayoko. Yeah. They enter the house. It's scary as shit. She runs from him. She closes the door. They're banging on the door before they slide it open. That was freaky as shit. They also make slight Kayoko noises or similar yeah, Kayoko that noises. I work. actually heard. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's almost as if we were talking about the Kayoko replication. Yeah. But it's almost like their spirits are doomed to the same fate. So rather than doing what the second film did and making a bunch of different Kayokos, they just basically show these Kayoko like tainted spirits or, or souls that are going after their friend that survived because, you know, kind of like that whole werewolf attack thing in American Werewolf in London, where you see the the victims of the werewolf's ghost, yeah. the ghosts of the, the vic- werewolf's victims yeah, are, yeah, you know, right. can haunt yeah. them. But in this case, it's her friends. She should be gone with her friends, and she's just basically delaying the inevitable. But all it took was her seeing their faces. They finally got through, I guess. Or maybe it was just time. But it's so odd that her friends are the one that's come to take her, not Kayoko. Well, that's a lie, because as they advance on her, she looks up, and there's Kayoko. And she grabs her and drags her away into what is probably purgatory. Or the same horrific fate that everyone else has suffered. I mean, that's kind of a, I mean, I'm not meaning like a Christian version of hell, but I would, uh, I would call that even a purgatory in a sense, even for nothing. I mean, it's not a existence you want. So (laughs) it's, it's into the void of some sort. Definitely. And that's the end of that story. Okay, I still remember the teenage girls grabbing her every time I watch this, even though I just watched it last night. I always forget at the last moment Kayoko pops up and takes her, but you're absolutely right, she does. And that's just a testament to how terrifying the three girls girls for her is. Horrific. (laughs) Yeah, and the noise and the sound effects in it, um, the sound mix in it is really, really good. And then I do remember now that you mentioned it, I think the three noises that they're making solidifies into a Kayoko before we even see her, like one of her throat guttural, like breath intakes that that she makes. And (laughs) it's just so well done. Yeah. By the time we get to this point, because this is is an hour and what, 30 some odd minutes. It's hour 32. Yeah. We're we're now coming up in the last story, probably the last 10 to 20 minutes in the movie. Right. And we're at the point now where we're at the point of no return. Basically, yeah. this is the this is the part where you need to shit or get off the pot and you need to start escalating. And the film has been doing that this entire back half of the film. Oh yeah. It definitely <laughs> it's like, has. It's like half set up and then the rest of it is just all fucking pay dirt. Like because they know how to do this shit and terrify you on such a minuscule budget that they can just keep bringing these ghosts in because it's just a lady painted white in a dress and sometimes wrapped in plastic or covered in blood and a little kid painted white in an in an adoji with like black eyeliner painted around his eyes and the same with her with her eyes blackened up a little bit as well like that's all it's very very low budget right and yeah. they can just put them in every but single they still fucking look scene. creepy as hell. Right. They're terrifying as shit. And it's a lot to do with the body language of the two actors because they hired some folks that really know what they're doing, particularly the actress who plays Keiko. I cannot praise her enough because a lot of this really hinges on her being terrifying while just literally crawling around. Yeah, right. 
I mean, and she does it so fucking well. And that little kid doesn't even have to fucking move. They could just they could have just cast his body and just fucking stood it in a corner and you'd be terrified. I agree. Just a, just a cast of him with his mouth wide open that makes a cat noise as a statue would be something you would not want in your house at all. No. Like one of those like one of those like scare tactic things where you walk past it in a haunted house and it, it fires off. All it would have to be is just that kid standing there with his mouth wide open. You walk past and you start hearing the cat. You're gonna run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you know that shit and you're terrified you're getting enough, the fuck it, out of there <laughs> right it, it's just it's just using such low budget resources in a big budget film and just throwing in so much more stuff to go along with it but again the economy that they have with using this actress and this little actor uh they can just put them in any scene they can just have the kid walk across the screen and no actor even pays attention to him and you're immediately fucking terrified yeah you know you have you have her just sort of standing in the corner you know or you just hear the noise that's all that's all you really need like you could just be at a fucking picnic in the middle of the fucking day you know on film like all these people could just be super happy bright sunshiny day everything looks wonderful everything is great and all of a sudden the sound mix just has over and over again and you're fucking terrified and there's a couple of deaths in this movie that are in the middle of the fucking day and that happens where you just hear the noise and the next thing you know they're dead and it's absolutely horrifying yeah it's horrific and then there are times where you think you're at night and then all of a sudden they snap too and there actually is in the middle of the day or is it? Because then they step to it. It's night fucking again. Yeah. And you don't really know if they're dreaming, if this is just their spirit being pushed through all of these stages of whatever horrific afterlife that they now live, thanks to Keiko's death um, affecting them as well. Yeah. Or or if this is just the curse coming for them and their mind is just trying to wrap their head around what's going on, but they're losing time because they're slowly being eaten away by the house. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and some people, they lose their mind first and they can sort of fight their way out of it by essentially blocking everything out and not looking at anything. And it's worse. You, you, know? you can't go to the house, but also you can't go near anybody who's ever been in the house or else it can still get you. Right. If, especially if you're there, whenever they get taken, it's taking you too. Yeah. Like if you're in proximity enough or like if you're in the same room with them, it's going to take you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it'll find a way to jump across because any that person dies, they become that curse. You enter that room that they died in. Chances are you're going to start feeling the effects. Yeah. You know, and everybody's stupid. Eventually, they all go back to the house that took their loved one or their relative and they go to investigate as if they're going to solve the problem or they're going to redress the balance. Yeah. And no one ever does because what happened was so fucking horrific. There is no hope for anyone that went near that house or anyone that went near anyone that went near that house. It's all bad. None of it's good. <laughs> Literally, all of humanity is eventually doomed because one fucking incel motherfucker could not get over the fact that his wife chose someone else to love and fucking lied to him and manipulated him. And the rage that that brought, the obsession that fed that on her side, doomed all of humanity. Yeah. Thanks a lot, everyone. Everyone's doing a bang up job around here. <laughs> we can move on, man. Let's close this out. All right. Kayako. Is the next story. Well, we see Rika. This is many years later. And she seems happy and moved on. Uh, She gets a call from a friend. And as she's talking to him, an old man who she's working with behind her is, for some reason, playing peekaboo with someone who isn't there. As she pushes him around because he's in a wheelchair, he's still doing it. And when she brings him back to the building, however, instead of playing peekaboo, he's just covering his face. Back at her place, she showers, and while showering, we see the hand in the back of the head and the hair. She feels it, but then it's gone. 
Oh, there's a couple of moments in the reflection that you can obviously see Toshio is moving with the guy. Oh, and that's I who didn't he is. see that. See, I usually yeah. I caught Toshio, and I was even looking for him there, and I didn't see him. So now I'm mad because I was looking yeah. for him every time because he pops up in so many places. Yeah, there's one or two times. I think the most obvious one is when um, one of the people that also works at that facility that Reich is working at is trying to play peekaboo with the old man, thinking that they're humoring him. And the old man goes to shoo him away. And when the guy moves, you can see Toshio is like huddled down by the uh, by Reika's feet or something along oh, those lines. Yeah, I and didn't see that. I, and I was yeah. even looking right then. I was looking. I, I may have glanced away for to write a note or something. So that could have been And there's why. there's a couple moments when she's walking with him when you can kind of see Toshio like out of the corner of your eye when the old man is doing that peekaboo thing as well yeah. and it's it's assumed that he spent too long staring at him and the reason he's covering his face is because the curse is now passed on oh, yeah. to him. i mean we see that at the very end of this we know that he he's as well cursed so right but that's why he's covering yeah. his face is all i'm saying yeah. uh so then uh her friend mariko and her decide they're gonna hang out mariko is a new teacher and says she already has a problem student uh, who hasn't showed up to school yet. They're having some lunch, and unfortunately, that sounds like a particular problem we've heard before. Uh, All, almost exactly discussed over a very similar meal, yeah. only with a wife instead of a close friend. Exactly, yes. yes. And as they're eating, uh, uh, Rico feels something brush against her leg. We see it's a black cat. She looks under there, and she sees Toshio. Uh, she, fucking creepy. Yeah, she freaks out real bad. I would, too. Uh, she goes home. She's very disturbed. She tries to sleep, and uh, she keeps hearing multiple cats. And then she looks up as she's laying in bed, and it's nighttime. And she sees multiple cats all over the place. She shoots up, and we see it's not nighttime. It's daytime still, and she's still fully clothed, which means she just kind of traveled there. Um, well, either that or this was her recalling something that happened in the night possibly you know but i mean yeah. she was still in the clothes she went to lunch in so she may she have also fallen that. asleep she and, dreamt and dreamt that, it she dreamt that she was in bed at night um, yeah but but is it, it really is a, it dream? a dream or is it her yeah. it, i mean she was asleep but is it kayoko in her mind because well, she, she was disease. she was in one of the rooms in the house yeah, yeah. At least in the dream, quote unquote, or the world where all the cats were covering her, that was not her apartment. That was that was in the her house. Home. That was the, she uh, woke that was up the, in the apartment. House. Yeah, but she woke up clothed and not under a blanket in her apartment in a different bed. Is what I'm getting That's at. That's true. Uh, well, she gets a call again. It's Mariko just checking on her. Mariko says she's calling from the kid's house, who she had to visit the family. The parents aren't home yet. Um, and as she keeps listening to her talk, she knows it's funky. Uh, the uh, Rico does. She knows. Rico does. She knows where she's at. Then the call goes dead. Then we cut to Mariko, and she's with Toshio at his very trashed murder house. Mariko in the kids' state, and they're repeating yeah. the thing that we saw earlier with the other teacher. So basically, anyone who gets in the position of the original guy who had this fate yeah. also gets Toshio and has to go check on him and ends up dying. Yeah, and somehow Toshio gets added to all these class numbers, even though no one enrolls him. Well, he was in that class, and I'm saying that the guy who taught the the original teacher from the original film that Kayoko became obsessed with, it's probably that school and that class that Toshio was in with him that that teacher is teaching at. She's probably filling his position. Probably, but and, I mean, that was still five years ago. Who's putting his name on the enrollment other than somehow supernaturally it being done? 
It's the, yeah, but it's the grudge that's doing yeah, it. Is what exactly. I'm saying is yeah. that she has to yeah that's because it's that position. That's what I was saying position. too. We're saying the same yeah, yeah. thing. Right, but what I'm saying is it's that classroom that's cursed. Yeah. It's that teacher's position that specifically is cursed because yeah, Toshio was in that class. Right. Yeah, and the teacher was the one that caused the obsession with Kayoko exactly. and the whole death thing and everything. Yeah, like I believe that that's the case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're saying the same we're fucking thing. We're saying the same just, fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. We are but arguing just, the same fucking point. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just think it's the curse, and I don't think that anything supernaturally put the name on the list. I think the woman was probably just hallucinating the name and had to go check up on oh, it. Maybe, maybe. Um, because she's cursed just because she's in the classroom and in that but position. But is it the curse in a very nature supernatural? <laughs> I would have to say yes, because I don't know any hate that could... Well, I might well, learn yeah, someday that yeah, kind of hate, so never mind. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Mariko then looks around, and Toshio's gone, of course. She goes upstairs to find him. Rika gets to the home. She hears lots of noises. She goes upstairs looking for her friend. As she checks the room with, you know, the bad room and the closet, she sees her friend's legs get dragged to the attic. She goes up there to check it out. And then she sees Keiko crawling out there after. Just wanted to talk about how great that fucking sound design was where you could hear the body being dragged back by Keiko making the same noises and then it stops whenever the body is left at the right at the proper corner and then you hear it start to come for Fuck, and she's flashing a light around. Again. Oh, so fucking creepy. See, yeah, the sound design is everything. None of it. The sound design is everything in this attic oh, sequence that is terrifying. This movie yeah. was fucking almost my ears were bleeding watching this fucking thing. Oh. <laughs> I almost want to fucking just rip the fucking Hindi soundtrack out so people can hear what it's do like. Do it. Do it. Do it. If I had, to, to, have been, if I had to suffer had to through been... that curse, so does everyone else. <laughs> it has to be fucking Hindi fan subbed or some, fan dubbed or something. Like, it can't be. It, this couldn't have been professionally done. At least it I was not, not, because also nothing lined up. <laughs> okay, that's so frustrating. Yeah, man. You should have you should have double checked. With See, me. I, I, here's the problem: because the last film didn't line up, I just figured that's just how it was. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, some you, of these movies you aren't going to give check. anything good. <laughs> it's better to double check next time. All right, I'll double check next time. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Let's finish this shit right. off because the sound was so amazing. <laughs> well, anyway, as she runs, uh, she gets down to the bottom of the stairs. She goes past a mirror, and right when she goes past, Kayako also goes past. She stops. She knows something's fucking up. So she goes back. She looks in the mirror. And then she kind of remembers every time Kayoko took someone, was there. And then people, like, right before they died, they were covering up their faces. So she did the same thing. And once she does that, we see only Kayoko. And then it looks like Kayoko's actually crawling out of Rika. But then she snaps, too. Like, she puts her hands down and she's normal again. And then she sits there and she watches Kaeko do the slow crawl all the way down the stairs. She falls. Kaeko reaches for her. And then we see all the times Kaeko has been getting folks, like, reaching for them, touching them, like, in the shower. Every every spot where Kaeko was, we now see a nor- much more normal-looking Kaeko, just with those wide eyes still. Uh, just then, Rika looks and she's alone. Kaeko is gone. But then Taeko, his ghost, comes down, covered in blood. And he comes up, and with Toshio watching from the balcony, goes after Rika. We then cut to empty streets and missing uh, missing people posters everywhere. Like it's spreading and getting worse. Exactly. 
We find a dead Rika in some empty warehouse. She has hair that looks way more like Kayako's, like she was possessed. She then opens up her eyes, and we hear the death sound that Kayako makes. Roll credits. She was actually in the attic where Keiko's body was left behind. Was that the attic? I thought it looked yeah. way more like a warehouse. So I guess I was wrong on that one. So we see what happens where people disappear when Keiko comes for them. But what ends up happening is the curse of what happened to Keiko when she crawls down the stairs, which again, at the end here, that was where she was the most bloody. This is where they take the most time doing it. Yeah. And this is where it's the most sad and tragic because this time they're showing us what happens to you when Keiko comes like that and takes you. What ends up happening is she marks you. Yes. But then what happened to her is what happens to you. Yeah, you the husband it. comes down and fucks you up. Yeah, the husband comes down and murders you exactly how Keiko died. And you get to feel and experience everything that she felt and experienced, including her own terror, her own fear, as well as the probably the emotions that drove her to be as obsessed as what she was. And as he's exacting the revenge on her body, it's actually your flesh this time. And then when he's done with you, he leaves you exactly where she was, and then your body just disappears forever. Yeah. And you just become another number in this curse. You just become another thing that makes it even stronger. Oh, yeah. And it's so fucking horrific because you know that was Rika's fate. And they literally drive it home by, that's her body now. That's her that's making the noise. And it's almost like the only way that your body can stop being used as this part of the curse. You know, because all the bodies that are in the attic are probably what's actually coming from people. Yeah. I mean, no, you're not <laughs> you know? wrong. I'm just, it's fucking horrific, uh, this, this curse. Yeah, so we I don't see- know who's worse. Uh I, you know, I know we're getting ready to find out here towards the end of this series, but I mean, from Sadako to Kayako, so. Sadako is knowingly causing torment and anguish and punishing people and murdering them and killing them in most horrific ways. What's happening with Kayoko and this house is just an echo and a reverberation of a horrific crime that took place that is affecting everyone that comes in contact but with it. But it still hurts you. Right. But the thing is, it's not a knowing thing. It doesn't know what it's doing. So for me, that's more terrifying because it will continue to grow. It will continue to feed on people. It will continue to draw people in. Someone's always going to buy a cheap house. Someone's always going to move their family into a cheap house. Kids are always going to show up and try to go drinking at the ghost house or exploring the ghost house. And it's just going to keep taking people. And then if they can escape the house and go somewhere else and it comes for them, then those people that they're around whenever it comes for them will also get it, as we've already seen with these missing I disagree. I think this is intelligent. All the, the old lady says how uh, Kayako was talking to her. Um, in the first, in the last move, in the last two movies, Toshio, every time someone's find Toshio, uh, we see uh, that Kayako was talking to him. So I think it's intelligent what it's doing. Okay. I do see those moments in the film. I know what you're talking about, where they're conversing and everything. And I can see where you would want to assign that kind of intelligence to it. I'm going by what the writer and director actually intended whenever they wrote the film. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Hold on. Now, uh, if, again, if a writer and director tell me something, though, then I kind of I go, okay. Because who am I? I'm not here to fucking take over their vision. R- 
Right. Well, but you are not wrong. And your interpretation of that, or you're seeing that it's an intelligent thing. I would probably say that by the time we get to the teacher's death um, in the original film, it's just repeating and it's definitely not intelligent and it's not like hunting people, so to speak. But I don't think it was powerful enough at the time. And I think that may have just been a conversation that the kid and the mom had possibly before the dad came and killed them both. You know what I mean? That it's just repeating it or or something like that. There's there's not really anything to where I would personally want to assign a consciousness that's coming to kill people, at least yet in the series, right? Mm -hmm. Because it just, like, even the people that are transformed into Keikos we see in the second one, like you said, they're acting like zombies. They're not, they have no purpose. They're just trying to find the next victim, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) true. Maybe it's a little bit of everything. Maybe there's one intelligence, but it can infect others to be a non-intelligent thing that just does. Well, I look at it more along the lines of it's just this growing fucking rage that has no outlet that is just being transferred from person to person. And however they react to it or however you interpret that, you the pattern that is happening is just like a virus vector. And a virus doesn't really have a consciousness. It just has a very specific job that it has to do, which is replicate and kill. Yeah. And that's all this is doing is just replicating and killing. So I don't know if it has an overarching plan just yet because it doesn't really seem to really enact one. It just it stumbles across people or it stumbles across people that, that it's taking while it's taking someone, <laughs> you know, yeah. one way, know, shape, or form. Yeah. so far, so far anyway. But the, I mean, who knows where the series is going to go in the next film? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. But. The obsession and the rages and the emotions and all of that stuff still has a very human element to it. And so there are human spirits that have died here. And I could kind of see where the friends that didn't, the friends that died with the girl that got away, I can see where their spirits would come for her because of the grudge they have that she made it out and they didn't. Yeah. And they just basically whittled her down until Keiko could actually come to take her, perhaps. That could be it. And her guilt probably doesn't help either. Right. And, and anything that you take out of that house with you, that uh, any kind of emotion that might have been there at the time of those deaths, it can take you from making you feel those things. And maybe it was her guilt that they kept pushing on. Who knows? You know, I, but I don't think it's an intelligent thing. I think it just senses a weakness, just like a virus and just fucking goes for it. You know, it just it just it, a virus doesn't intelligently know how to do what it does. It's just written in its fucking RNA code for it to be able to attack and replicate. I guess that's not wrong. Yeah. But again, that that's not necessarily saying that that's not an intelligence in and of itself. That's just what it does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know if viruses make plans beyond that, but that's a pretty good fucking plan is to destroy everything and replicate. Yeah. It could be whatever, man. I don't even know anymore. Now I just want it gone. <laughs> I'm not going into houses anymore. <laughs> I really love just how easily this series terrifies me. Yeah. Like it same. doesn't even really have to try that fucking hard. Way more and than again, this, uh, the, the ring series. Definitely. So far. Absolutely. We're only three into it and I've already been way more uncomfortable and terrified than I was by ring two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, de- and, oh my God, ring three just, <laughs> yeah, was, you know? Yeah. or ring zero birthday and and just all the other ones yeah it just it it jumps around and starts telling you the person behind the monster stories while still trying to convince you that they were a monster all along yeah whereas this is just like this horrible thing happened and it's coming for you whether you went into the house or not (laughs) eventually it will get to you yeah yeah it's coming for us yay Yeah, and it's it's absolutely terrifying. Now, the idea of Sadako being after you versus Keiko being after you, I just I just don't even fucking know. Like that's that's where I was like, how does a curse fight a curse? Because you're just doubly doomed. Yeah, right. 
But, you, you're just hoping that they come for you at the same time so that they fight over you. Is that, I guess I, that's what maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like Freddy versus Jason. You just, all right, well, fuck it. Let's get Freddy out, get Jason home and fuck it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> it's almost like they didn't plan. They just put two monsters together in a location and said, now they're going to fight like they know Kung Fu. Yeah. It was still all right though. <laughs> you don't need to do a whole lot of thinking with that movie. <laughs> Oh, it's certainly not the worst in either franchise either. Yeah, right. No, not at all. At least, you know, one was it in space. <laughs> I kind of like that one. Really? <laughs> <laughs> all right, how about, at least one was it in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Although those would probably be okay in Manhattan. Who knows? Uh, anyway, um, enough <laughs> about the Zhuan series. Uh, I had a total blast with um, this particular entry in the film. I think it's really fucking well done. And as I said before, they just keep getting better. They just keep ratcheting up. Now, I can say that through Grudge 2. Okay. Zhuan the Grudge 2, because that's where I stopped in the series and I was not aware of any of the other ones that we're going to be covering. So I can't make any promises and I can't make any statements on those. I just don't fucking know. Well, I guess we'll Uh, find the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, if if Shizumu's involved, I can see where we're going to have a trajectory upwards, but I kind of think he stops at Grudge 2. Okay. I think he goes on and does the films in America and then does for for the American audiences and then just kind of starts doing some other things. I don't think he comes back to this series. Um, I didn't double check that. I'm trying not to look too much into those movies before I watch them. Yeah, let's be surprised together. Yeah, I would kind of like to be. So, uh, But I can tell you that it ratches it up for Grudge 2. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Why don't we do some psyop news just to kind of bring some people up and we'll we're, close we're out the fucking show. We're going to do some news? I mean, really? In this news cycle, we're going to do some news? Just go to the group and I, find I, the I, pinned I, ones. I, I am. I am. Just fucking okay. And while you do that, we're going to listen to Haruko to Miyuki and the song Dry Ice. Miyoki is considered a folk rock band over there, or at least that's how they were written up as, but that does not sound very folk. That just sounds like straight up like pop rock, kind of. Maybe that's folk to them. I, I guess, yeah. Maybe I that, mean, maybe that's what folk sounds like in that region. I, 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 I'm not going to say anything other than I enjoyed the music. I think it has some very beautiful passages nice. to it. I like yeah, it. I can relate it, to that. Yeah, it may not be my regular thing, but maybe my vision of or or my idea of what folk music is is a bit skewed by working too many bluegrass festivals. (laughs) That that could be, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess it might be more region-specific than I thought, just like our Scion News!
What do you, what do you want? Uh, you want a lawyer who likes to ride around, who likes to drive a nude, or uh, a super gonorrhea? Which one do you want? Hmm. Well, <laughs> if my choice is between nude lawyer driving around and super gonorrhea, I'm going to choose nude lawyer because I do not want to know anything about super gonorrhea. So you just want to go around blind with super gonorrhea all over the place. All right. We'll go well, while I'm living a very happily married life. Well, yeah, so you're not thinking about very anybody else who one. listens to us, huh? <laughs> it's at the group. They can go read it in the group if they want. I just don't want to do it this week. Why are you pushing so hard for Super Gunner? I wasn't. Here? I was just asking. All right. We can go. All right. I'm just saying. I'm just not going to have the clip where I say, give me the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I knew that's what you were pushing for. And <laughs> so it ain't going to fucking happen. I was, so try- I was just so hoping you weren't even paying attention. <laughs> so give your super gonorrhea to somebody else. <laughs> okay. All right. This is from our man, Robert. Oh, man. Our man, man of the in field. the field. Oh, yep. man of the field. He, I bet he doesn't have super gonorrhea. So <laughs> he must have an incredibly long penis. Yeah. Uh, lawyer <laughs> with penchant for driving naked is suspended indefinitely from practice. Oh, well, that's too bad. Oh, no. And he's accused of some type of being more than nude in his car. Oh, this story freaks. This story checks you out because it has a picture of a woman on the link that Robert posted. Mm, they get you. They get you. It's like clickbait. <laughs> It's a gender swap clickbait where they make you think it's a female lawyer driving around nude when it's just a pervy dude beating it in his car. <laughs> clip. clip. That's just good. That's just... Is that is that what's happening? Is yeah, that what the I clickbait that's is what's doing? Happening. Here we go. When asked <laughs> to right. show their briefs, most lawyers are happily obliged the request. But when you oh, been... it's that kind of article it... when it's written with that kind of pun. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be a punny one. All right. Uh, if you want a fear boner, if you want to know, this is written by Stacy Zaretsky. Uh, from uh, AboveTheLaw.com. It's going to cost you some serious cock. If you read that regularly, probably. Yeah, right? Uh, When asked to show their briefs, most lawyers would happily oblige the request. But when you've been repeatedly accused of driving while nude, it's a little tricky. Pulling it just to pull it. Meet Scott Bolvet, a Ohio lawyer who's recently suspended from practicing law indefinitely thanks to his predilection for driving in the buff. Well, some- Shut up. Are you talking about penises? Yes. Well, sometimes masturbating and exposing himself to others. So pulling it just to pull it. He's you can't pay a bail. Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. Yeah. If you were flashing it to someone who, who purposely just to, to make them uncomfortable. It. Yeah. Yeah. And just purposely to make them feel uncomfortable and diminished. You are, in fact, a sex offender. Yeah, exactly. The ABA Journal also has some additional details to his story. He had Let's been fired or something. in 2006 from his job as a prosecutor in Hamilton, Ohio, for allegedly walking around naked after hours in the government building where he worked. And we're back to dicks. According to a 2008 uh, coverage of his bid for civil service protections. In June 2020, Bovalette pleaded guilty to charges of public indecency and reckless operation of a motor vehicle for an arrest for driving while nude in October 2018. It always comes back to dick. Resulting in a stayed suspension. So obviously he's got uh, something wrong with him. 
Um, he very much seems like the type of person, just from the various encounters the police have had with him, that only really enjoys nudity in a way to make others uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, he, he wants to be naked in places that he shouldn't be. He started off in the building and probably got busted by somebody cleaning it a few times, probably intentionally, so he could pretend like it was just a mistake and an accident and try and get away with it, because he wants to shock and make someone uncomfortable. Am I wrong? Is that a wrong no, interpretation No, no, no. What, what it definitely, what this definitely is, is a man who, it's not like... Because people would be like, well, what if he's just an exhibitionist? Yeah, but, like, I don't think he'd be even happy at, like, a nude beach or something somewhere where he could be nude. I think he needs to be nude around people who aren't expecting it. Yeah, he needs to shock someone and he needs to make them uncomfortable with his nudity, which makes you a sex offender. Yeah, If you are purposely exposing yourself to people to make them uncomfortable, you are trying to do them harm and therefore sex offender. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he received <laughs> all of that clips, by the way. Yeah, right. He received an interim suspension in September 2020, the same month that he was charged with another instance of new driving. He pleaded guilty or no contest to three incidents of public indecency after the first suspension, and he admits other instances in which he didn't get caught. Although, although uh, Blavelt has expressed sincere remorse for his misconduct and earnest and earnestly embraced participation in a two-year outpatient program for mental health treatment, specifically to address a compulsive sexual behavior disorder, he told the court that he continues to struggle with the urge to engage in acts of public indecency. He also sees a psychiatrist to treat bipolar disorder and stated during his disciplinary hearing that his struggles would likely persist throughout his life while he undergoes treatment. In its opinion, Ohio's Supreme Court came to the following decision. After reviewing the record in this case and our precedent, we agree that the indefinite suspension is the appropriate sanction to protect the public and ensure that Blavlout cannot resume the practice of law until he is able to conform his conduct to the ethical and professional standards incumbent on lawyers in this state. Yeah, don't flash people, dickhead. You can't do that and be a lawyer. Yeah. Also clip. Yeah, right. Uh, in order to regain his admission to uh, practice, in addition to satisfying the uh, usual requirements, Blavlet must uh, demonstrate alcohol abstinence and provide proof that he's in compliance with his mental health treatment plan. If and when his admission is reinstated, he'll serve a period of monitored probation. Okay, I will give this guy a chance when he goes to counseling and he's doing the steps, he's trying to make the work, and he's going to do his best to not do it again. But still, what he's doing is a sex offense and it needs to be dealt with as as such. Well, it sounds like it is being dealt with as such, so we're at least lucky in that. It's not just, (laughs) all right, scamp, you go about your way, you know. Uh, I still think he's probably getting off a little bit light, but if they can demonstrate that he definitely has a mental illness that makes this a compulsion, not just he's a perv who wants to fucking harm people, then sure. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. If a doctor does some diagnosis with the gentleman and that is what they concluded and the courts took their recommendation, then I'm super happy and that's gr- that's great. Yeah. But what it feels like to me is he's a fucking lawyer and he knew how to weasel his way out of it and they just wanted to quietly hush-hush get him out the door. And so they gave him this option to go away instead of actually punishing him for something more severely. Mm, yeah, probably. Yeah. If he was an everyday, if he was an everyday Joe and they gave him the same leeway, I would have no problem with that. But you know me and lawyers, my own lawyers know me and lawyers. Yeah. No, we all hate lawyers. I mean, fuck those guys. (laughs) Even all your lawyers. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm rather fond of mine because they've gotten me out of plenty of jams. And how many lawyers is that again? 
<laughs> the question is how many jams, which you should be asking. <laughs> you failed miserably right there. I really did. Yeah. How many jams? <laughs> Just a few smooth ones. Ah, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing for the answer for my lawyers, by the way. <laughs> you only you have a few smooth ones. <laughs> <laughs> How many is a few? I don't want to answer. Here's the ending Legion promo. And right after that, we're going to have Potari with Just. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. picked a little bit more upbeat and poppy music this week that's nice and uh, potar e definitely applies here with this song just exactly what we needed i was doing it because i was thinking about the sadness that's in the film the grudge and how we've had three weeks of just massive downers but then on top of that we also had even more of a fucking downer in reality so the pop music is a must we gotta have it yeah just just keep us going keep us happy keep us a little bit cheerper trying to distract us from the fact that our world is slowly falling apart all around us i'm, I'm slipping back in i'm sorry i'm sorry if you want to find the other instances where i could not keep it together Jesus all Christ. 358 previous instances where the fucking sadness just slipped what, right back in that's legion podcast just kick right in legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast a little from column a and a little from column b on that my friend of course you can also try and distract yourself from the existential dread that is living in the United States and or the rest of this fucked up world with our Instagram feed, cinema underscore psyops, where thrice daily during the working day for the working individual during my working hours, I post memes. Yeah, because, you know, that's what you fucking do, man. The only <laughs> way to get through this world is to post some memes. 
Yeah, you know what? I, I, that's all I have. That's all I have to try and spread some joy is to give you somewhat of a chuckle yeah. with three things that have something in common yeah. <laughs> that are all meme form. That's all I got so left every, in this fucking everything world. Everything in fucking memes. One of the places I also share those memes to after they make it to the Instagram feed is our Cinema PsyOps Facebook group. It's aptly named Cinema PsyOps for the show, and it's called a Facebook group because that's where it's located as a group. Yeah, because that's that's how groups work. For now, until I get destroyed in some way, shape, or form, or, you know, whatever ends up happening, I'm also available on Facebook as Court PsyOps, and you can try and write me a dissertation about how I need to calm down and it's not as bad as I think it's going to be, and send that off to cinemapsyopscourt at gmail.com, but uh, you should probably look around because it's a lot worse than what you think it is. Yeah, right, because fuck it. Well, while you're out there taking a look at the world around you and developing ever more growing existential dread, kick the fuck out of those fuckers keeping you down, and this week and make them your bitch. Okay, <laughs> go ahead and start recording on your side. Alrighty, and hopefully, I am recording Blue Snowball. Here we go, one, two, three. Wow. Waveform's looking good oh. and all that bullshit. Yep, and I'm using new headphones, so hopefully you won't hear this one. Yeah, I don't know why that's happening, other than I'm guessing that just your head gets closer to the mic, because you turn your head to talk sometimes to read or whatever, and yeah. or, or if I'm talking, you turn your head away to listen to me, I think, and it puts me right into your microphone, and <laughs> it was bleeding through well, really bad exactly last week. They're not exactly like the noise-canceling headphones either. Well, anything that just basically uh, either completely cups your ear to where the audio won't escape. Yeah out or just want any of those in-ear that's what i'm wearing right now yeah the in-ear ones usually work really good especially if you need to turn it up loud because you're probably deaf i i am definitely deaf i'm sorry what <laughs> that's the end of the show Awesome. All right, so I'm definitely recording on my side. I see that it has gone past yeah. a minute now, so I know for sure that it's recording. Word up! I'm watching the seconds ticking by as I am saying this to you. <laughs> You're recording on your side, and we're doing Juan the Grudge, which is the third movie in the franchise. Yes, in an actual movie. <laughs> well, a made-for-cinemas well, film, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Hold fine. Up. Uh, I mean, no, fuck it. We'll get into it when the show time. Jesus Christ. Yeah, let's just fucking do it then. Here we go. Uh, uh, fucking let's go. Smoke them if you got them. So, uh, let me tell I'm going to start drinking alcohol soon. Rika's boss <laughs> heads to the... Soon. <laughs> All right, you ready? Whatever you are, my man. All right. After I take a refreshing drink of lemonade. Oh, man, I so don't wish that was alcohol at all. I wish that was just lemonade. I like it just the way it is. 
<laughs> I'm not a big drinker, you know. So anyway. <laughs> yes, and your doctor didn't tell you to slow it down or die either. You know, that's a uh, HIPAA violation, my friend. I, uh, <laughs> um, oh, that was just a fucking guess. I just so, know I was right. Oh, you're, <laughs> actually, your lawyers have suggested I not answer that. Weird. Why are they talking to you about that? I don't know. Yeah, I get it. Talk about the music again, motherfucker. No. <laughs> oh, God, the sound design in this is so fucking good, man. It's the best of all three so far. I fucking hate you so bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I accept your hatred. <laughs> And it means nothing to me because I've seen what you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your booze mean nothing. I see what makes you applaud. I'm quoting a show I don't even like. Really? You don't like that? Huh? Is it because of the fans or the show? Both. Both? Really? Okay. Not to get off too much here, uh, just real quick. I like the show. I still do. But I found I got turned off of it because the fans are just fucking annoying. It's, it's one of the few. I've never had fans ruin something for me like these fans did. The only other fans who got close were Star Wars fans, but I'm in too deep with Star Wars. I can't get out. <laughs> you have to deal with all the misogynistic, uh, I, racist assholes that are apparently part of your clan. I hate, they're not part of my shit, man. They're not real Star Wars fans. They don't know fuck. They're not wanted they're, in that universe. They're not wanted, and we don't need them there. It's like when people are like, why did Rage Against Machine have to get all political? Holy fuck. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's the same folks that are bitching about Star Trek. When, when did that have to yeah. get so fucking political yeah. and social conscious? Yeah, yeah, right? And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Oh my God, Jesus Christ. Okay, no, that's not this show. It's the show for fucking the grudge. The answers to all of these questions are right from the start, you dumb fucks. Yeah, yeah, right from the very fucking start, you stupid pricks. <laughs> if you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the Oh, other Jesus, the lawyer's bit is back and worse than ever. Oh, my God, it's never going away. there taking a look at the world around you and developing ever more growing existential dread kick the fuck out of those fuckers keeping you down and this week and make them your bitch all right we're out all right and i'm gonna stop recording now because i'm fucking exhausted